This is Authors Alcove, where writers learn from writers. Readers get the inside scoop, and everyone learns something. An episode comes out every Wednesday, where writers share their latest work. Every other Tuesday, where us writers get taught by such experts as editors, book cover artists, and marketing execs, and beyond. So grab a cup of coffee, and let's dive into our next book. Hi, welcome to Authors Alcove. This is your host, Agnes Wolf. Today, we have young adult dystopian author, A.E. Faulkner. She has written the five-part series, Nature's Fury series, beginning with Darkness Falls. Welcome, April. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. The first question I always ask everybody is, what was your inspiration to be a writer? I think I've always found writing helps me express feelings, especially things I don't want to say, frustrations or anything that's just much easier to put in writing in words than having to verbalize it and share. So I find writing to be a great therapeutic activity. So I think I've always been drawn to it and I've loved reading books since I was a kid. Um, So eventually that love of reading turned into a, hey, I want to do this too. (laughs) Awesome. And so what inspired the Nature's Fury series? That series was really inspired by a growing frustration of just seeing how we all treat the environment, just seeing regulations being weakened, seeing pollution reports, things that you just don't even want to know about, but they're happening and they're hurting all of us. I redirected those feelings, was pouring them into writing and hoping that what I write, if it's interesting enough, that people might read it and take away a small snippet of, hey, maybe there's something more I can do even if I'm recycling a little bit more than I did last week that's something and I think that would be great I really tried to not make it preachy I just wanted to be an entertaining but hopefully mess leaving readers with a message that we can all do better yeah you mentioned that you were trying to make it subtle so how did you go about tackling such a hefty topic and still being preachy what were some ways that you did that I tried to poise the series as mother nature was striking back against human destruction so that a series of natural disasters were happening but throughout the story my characters come across things like pollution which kind of makes them stop and question how did this happen is it happening in more places is anyone doing anything about it even something as simple as litter you know come across an area that has a lot of litter and it just kind of makes them pause and think like look at this beautiful site this beautiful area and what's happening to it and again it was just trying to make the character see that and hopefully the reader pick it up and say you know gee I can relate to that or maybe there's something we could do about that I know you had mentioned on your website that you had also submitted something to the Gaia Awakening Climate Change Anthology. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that before we go into your actual novel? Sure. At this point, it's a two-part anthology. There's over a dozen authors that are involved in that, indie authors that have contributed short stories. Um, Gaia Awakens is the first book in that series, and it focuses on different characters, all of the different authors created characters in this universe, the same universe where it's in the future. There has been world water wars where fresh resources are so scarce. It's causing a lot of problems, um, a lot of environmental issues. And the authors all kind of came together and wrote different perspectives of that universe. And I contributed two stories to the Gaia Awakens 
anthology. So those are in there. The second book in that anthology series recently came out and that is titled Nature Erupts. I contributed one short story to that as well. And what's interesting is in Nature Erupts, some of the characters from the first book, their stories continue. And some of the authors that contributed to the first book, they wrote about other authors, characters in the second book. So I think that's really, really cool because I got um, an email from one of the other authors in between those two books who said, hey, I really want to write a story about your character, Mr. Draven. And I was like, are you okay with that? And can you give me a little more insight about him? And I did. I was thrilled. I was like, that's great. Like this character stuck with you and you want to expand upon his story because I wasn't going to go that route. I loved it. It was really great collaboration. There is one more book that the authors are going to work on to put out in that anthology series, but that is in the very, very early stages. But it's a really neat project. And where can they get that? They can find that on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, basically anywhere online that you can find a bookseller. And there is also an audio version of book one, too, of Gaia Awakens. Awesome. I'll make sure I put both your book and that book in the show notes. So I know it just, we're going to shift back to your series. I know with dystopian novels, the setting is incredibly important. So can you just share like the setting and how they happen to get there? Sure. And the setting was entirely based on my own personal experience and backgrounds. A whole story takes place along the East Coast of the United States. My characters live in Pennsylvania, and they are actually headed on their way to a vacation at the beach. They're headed to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And that is when nature first strikes, first natural disaster occurs. So it it leaves them in disarray. But as they must continue on their journey to safety throughout the whole series, multiple natural disasters strike. So these are all along, they're, they're all within the United States. They're not all in, not all in the East Coast, but they are all in the United States. And the reader will see how natural disasters in other areas might impact the characters that are on the East Coast. So I've tried to make it across the whole United States, but really focused on the experiences of these two characters. Um, And I kind of wanted to just show the ripple effect of how a disaster in one area can directly impact another area and how many people it can impact and involve. Awesome. And then do you mind sharing just a little bit about the characters and the problems that they're facing? My main characters are Quinn and Riley, uh, sisters. They are in high school. Um, Quinn is 16, Riley is 17, but almost 18. Um, So they're really close in age, but not twins. (laughs) And so they are young adults, uh, late, late teens. And they find themselves after the first natural disaster with very limited supplies, limited amount of food. Um, They're stranded. They don't have their cell phones. They don't have a car. They're over a hundred miles away from home and they're basically on their own with very little. They don't have money and they're also trying to navigate a hostile environment where humans are reacting to this natural disaster that's also happened to them. So some good, some bad. So they kind of have to find their way to safety. They have to find their way home, but it's not an easy trip. (laughs) I know one of the major themes that are also in dystopian novels is usually like oppression, control, rebellion. Does that play a part in your novel as well or your series? 
It does. It does. Um, readers will not see that until a little bit later in the series, closer to the middle of the series. And so there are five books in the series, like you mentioned. The fourth book is actually from a different character's point of view. It is from one of our military personnel that the girls that Quinn and Riley come in contact with, Sergeant Bowen. So that book is entirely from his point of view. And so the reader is going to get a perspective of what is happening in the government at the time and throughout these natural disasters, things that my characters might never know, but the reader is going to get that insight and maybe see what else is coming into play. What else is happening that is impacting everybody in the area, in the United States? <laughs> so how far in advance, uh, how far in the future is that, does this take place? This actually could take place now. When I wrote it, which was in it was 2018, 2017, um, it just felt very current to me. It just felt like this could take place anytime. Uh, I'm working on another series right now, and that takes place about 100 years into the future. So this one is definitely grounded in what I feel is right now. That makes it even more exciting, I think, knowing <laughs> that it could happen any moment. What role does hope play in your dystopian series? Well... I think by the time from, from where the characters start to where they end, they grow, they learn, they don't all survive. But I think that the United States gets a wake up call. And I think like it or not, that people learn that they have to adjust if they want to thrive um, with how they treat the environment, that if humans are going to thrive and, and survive, they're going to have to adjust their ways. It, it can give us a hope, a connection that we can all work together because when we all depend upon each other um, to do the right things for survival and just to support each other, I'd like to believe the story ends with hope that if we all work together, we can do this and we can make it better for absolutely everybody. And so did you know that it was going to be a series the moment that you wrote the first book? Or at what point did you decide it was a series? Well, when I wrote the first book, I had planned on it being a three book series and I wrote an outline. I'm very much a planner of what's going to happen. And then about halfway through the first book that was totally blown out of the water because I had a whole nother perspective. I had other perspectives I wanted to include in there. So the first, third and fifth book are all from Quinn's point of view. She is my main character, the 16 year old. Book two is from her sister's point of view, Riley. And that is a novella, it's shorter but it kind of gives the reader insight into how does Riley change throughout this story? What happens to her specifically internally that helps her grow? And then, like I said, the fourth book is from Sergeant Bowen's perspective because I wanted the reader to have additional insight. I needed the reader to know what was going on in, in the background. Um, you know, the inner workings that they would never know otherwise. I thought that was really important. So it quickly grew from three to five books. <laughs> I really had planned on three. But then as I started writing, I just had much more to say. So when you're writing a series, because each book has to have its own story as well, how did you decide what was the beginning and ending of each of the books and where the next series or the next book picked up on? 
I wanted to end the stories on a big cliffhanger. And my editor talked me out of that <laughs> because she said the reader deserves more than that. They deserve to not be left hanging because it was taking me about a year between books to get them published, to, to get them written, edited, formatted, everything. So what I tried to do was I wanted to end on a big note. I wanted something big to happen at the end of each book in the series, but I also wanted some closure. I, I really changed the way the first book ended and I, I made sure there was some closure, still unanswered questions, but the biggest question in each book is answered by the end of it. Gotta read the whole thing, get the whole picture. I feel like book one and three end on a note where the reader should feel satisfied. And definitely with book five, I hope <laughs> that they feel like everything's been wrapped up. So did you have to change the beginning of book? I guess it would be book three, because technically if she was telling the story, it'd be first, third and fifth. Did you have to change where that one began because you changed the ending of the first? Well, that's a little tricky without saying too much. Okay. <laughs> So basically where book one ends and book two, they both end at the same place now. They're just from two different perspectives. So thankfully that allowed me to keep book three where I wanted it to be because I was able to explain more in book two. If that makes sense, that helped to also explain the ending to book one. I don't well, want to well, be cryptic. I just don't want to say too much. <laughs> I do not blame you. I do not blame you at all. Sorry that I am trying to get the, the... <laughs> All right. So Spoilers. Uh, with fantasy novels, especially with dystopian stories, you usually use foreshadowing. Did you was that part of your repertoire when you were writing your using foreshadow? Yes, I really tried to do that, especially with little examples of nature kind of striking back. I, I tried to paint some very dark imagery of the way that maybe animals could harm us. And just as an example, I mean, there are tree frogs that can poison us, right? So, I mean, I was trying to get more into that of how animals and nature can cause us harm, even if it's unintentional. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> it, it does. So how did you manage doing foreshadowing without being too obvious about the future? Was that a struggle? I just kind of wrote what felt right at the time. For instance, at one point, my characters find a field of dead animals. And I wanted that to be something that they would stop and think about and talk about and say, what happened? Like it, something that looks so unnatural, like, why is this like this? What happened? What's going on? Is it going to impact us? How is it going to impact us? How is it going to impact the life cycle? Um, so I tried to inject those. When I was writing, it just kind of felt right. I wanted them to stumble upon things that would kind of give them a clue, like, this is not right. <laughs> These things should not be happening. And they are. And we want to piece it together and figure out, I mean, basically they're at the primary level, they just wanted to survive. But I'd like to believe that they also wanted to piece together what is happening. And what message do you hope your readers take away from your book? I really hope that readers will just say anything I can do to help the environment. If it means writing to my legislators, I'll do it. If I can pick up that litter I walk past on the street, I'll do it. Um, if I can help an animal in need, I will do it. My hope is that their eyes will be open on just things to watch out for, things to look for that might be able to just make the world a better place.
as corny as that oh. sounds. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I'm glad that you're on a mission for that. Uh, so what authors or books were your, um, have you been inspired by? Not necessarily for the story itself, but just as a writer in general. I would say the first books that I read that really made me want to write my own was The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. Absolutely love the story, love the book. I know I'm not supposed to, but I love the movies. I know everybody's always like, the movies are never as good as the book. And that's true, but you get so much more detail in the book. And I, I, I mean, the, the movies were long as it was. Now I could have sat there and watched six more hours of it, but <laughs> I just love seeing characters come alive on screen. I also absolutely love Brenda K. Davis has a road series and it's kind of an end of the world apocalyptic. And I think it's just the way these writers can present their ideas. They just totally immerse me in their stories and I find it all believable. It doesn't matter if it's about vampires or demons or, you know, anything. I find it inspiring how people can use words, the same alphabet we all have access to. And they can combine those letters and put together a story that just takes you to another place. And I think I'm drawn to dystopian because it makes me feel about, better about my current situation. <laughs> Whatever's going on. You know, if I have a sick cat, hey, at least the world isn't falling apart. <laughs> so I think that's why I'm drawn to those stories. They kind of make me feel better at, at a very local level. <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> um, did not ask you this. Are you self-published or traditional published? I am self-published. What was the process like for you? It was very slow. <laughs> I'm a very impatient person and I found it very, very slow. I mean, even just writing the story was a slow process because I have a job, I have kids, I have a husband, I have pets. So it's hard to carve out time, especially quiet time when you can focus and concentrate. But then once you write the story, or at least what I did was I sent it to beta readers. So they might take a month or two to read your story. And it's critical to get that feedback because beta reader comments when they say something like, this doesn't make any sense, or why would this character do that? I have told them, please tell me this. I'd much rather hear it from you than in a review that's out there for the world to see if something doesn't make sense. So then there's the beta reader process and they're doing it for free. So I can't be like, I want this back in one week. <laughs> you know, you kind of have to be flexible. After that, I go through all of their comments and then I would get it to my editor and then she would take time to really dive into it. And then there's the going back and forth a couple of times with, hey, you could really strengthen this area. So until you actually land on a final product that you're happy with and want to push out into the world, it just takes months and months and months and months. Um, I wish I could write faster, but I, I just focus on every single word, like every word in there. It has been read over 15 times until I decided, yes, that's the right ones. It's with much love that it's crafted. <laughs> so how many beta readers do you think you had before you sent it to your editor? So I send it to them for this next series. I'm actually going to have four. So that's exciting. I had someone else express interest in it and, and was kind of like, well, I'm not qualified to do it. And if you're a reader and you have opinions, you're qualified. <laughs> I kind of just said, I want any feedback at all. If you're like, oh, this part's great. Or this part drags, this is slow. I don't, I'm bored. I don't, I need some action, like anything, any feedback at all. As long as you read and you have an opinion, you're qualified in my book. <laughs> So you're starting a new series? I am starting a new series, yes. Is it at all related to this particular one or is it completely separate? 
I like to believe that this is taking place 100 years into the future, but in the same place. This is, it's going to be the Divided States of America series. And in the future, after a great infection spread, the country was divided, was carved into three territories with three separate leaders. And my main character is a teenage girl again. That's the point of view. I'm certainly not a teenage girl by any means, but that is the point of view I relate with most. And so I greatly enjoy writing that. My main character is Everly Scott, and she is selected to serve on an inter-territory delegation where the territories pull together delegates from each territory, bring them together, and basically it's to strengthen the peace treaty that the territories use. Um, but the longer that my character Everly is there, she discovers secrets, and sometimes secrets can be deadly. And she's going to find out what happens when you uncover secrets about the other territories. That sounds very intriguing. <laughs> I'm very curious. Does it have a title yet or not? Yes. Upheaval is book one. Okay. Um, and that I am so excited about. I am at the point where it's probably going to be today or tomorrow, this week sometime that I send that to beta readers. It is at that stage. Yes, I'm super excited. And I've got about 15,000 words written for book two in the series. So I plan to dive right into that as soon as this one is off my plate. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's so exciting. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being willing to be on here and just share your experience writing and some of your idea, some of your thoughts on dystopian books. Um, but one question I ask everybody is what is one piece of advice you would give to someone who is not yet published, who wants to write a dystopian novel? That is easy. If you've got a story to write, write it. Don't give up. There is someone out there who's going to love your story. I believe there is a reader for every book and they will find you eventually. It's going to be hard to find them, <laughs> but um, if you've got a story to write, get it out on paper or type it up. It can be very therapeutic and you just never know where it's going to go. Don't, don't give up. There are so many opportunities now with self-publishing that I just believe that there's someone out there who's going to love that story and someone who may need that story. Thank you again. I really appreciate you being on here. I'll make sure I put your book in the show notes as well as the Aya anthologies. And thank you again. I appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Authors Alcove. We will be back next week on Wednesday where we will have a writer share yet another piece of work. Also, every other Tuesday, we do learn from experts such as editors, marketing execs, book cover artists, illustrators, and more. If you are interested in being a guest on our show, feel free to go to authorsalcove.com, go to the podcast tab, and then click on Be a Guest. If you're looking for a healed heart, hop on over to our sister podcast, Strength, Love, and Healing with Authors Alcove. You can find that on Spotify and the Apple Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. Have a great day.